In today's episode, why I'm not an evangelical Christian. Christian, yes, but not evangelical. Spiritual, yes, not religious. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. It's Timmy Gibson. Welcome to the Timmy Gibson Show. Seven. That's right. (laughs) Number seven. Seven podcasts in. And I'm going to talk about something that I have loosely talked about in the past, uh, whether videos, uh, even mentioned a little bit on, I think, one of my first couple podcasts and the escaping religion and finding faith. But I've really never talked about this whole um, why I'm not an evangelical Christian anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with being considered a Christian, but I'm, I'm not okay with the evangelical part. And, and, and I'll explain why. That's what I want to share in this particular episode, uh, is what has led me away from the evangelical label, though still holding on to the Christian label at uh, in my journey and and why I went from religious to spiritual. And I'll, I'll explain, explain that. And like I've said in previous episodes, I, I'm not trying to win any uh, converts. I'm not trying to, to uh, win any followers or have disciples. So, so when I, when I tell my story, uh, that's all it is. I'm just, I'm just telling my story. I'm just sharing my journey and if it resonates with you or resonates with you know someone that you know, please do share it with them. Um, but uh, this is just my journey. So I, I, I looked up on the the interwebs, on the internets. I looked up what does it mean to be a evangelical, and I found one of the premier evangelicals out there. Uh, Josh McDowell, he's uh, one of the leading leading evangelical voices out there, and so I figured this would be a good uh, a good one to go off of. You know, I know I know what I believed as an evangelical. I know what I was taught in in seminary and in in church, and but some of that, you know was not as succinct. Uh, I mean, actually the first Bible school I went to, there was a book called doctrines. I still, I might actually still have that book, but it was called doctrines and it was basically 17 and I could probably look it up. Actually, I will look it up. Let me look that up real quick. Even, even while you guys are on here, 17 fundamental truths of scripture, I think is what that book was called. And I'll I'll read through what those oh there oh there's only sixteen fundamentals now. <laughs> Did I get it wrong? Is it actually sixteen? And I thought it was seventeen. I want to say it was. Well, it says it's sixteen. I thought it was seventeen. So here they are, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna share the the four main things that an evangelical believes, and and why I am no longer an evangelical, and and this is and this is why. So here are the sixteen fundamental truths right off the website for the Assemblies of God Statement of Faith 
which is what I grew up under. I kind of grew up under that Southern Baptist and Assemblies of God, which is what what most people would consider like charismatic or Pentecostal. So yes, I grew up in a tongue talking, uh, flailing around on the floor type uh, church. So that might explain part of my problem. Anyway, <laughs> so here are the 16 fundamental truths according to the Assemblies of God website. The scripture inspired, the one true God, the deity of Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just real quick, the one true God. The thing about that is the one true God is, the, you know, the God that they, it's how they describe him. So any other description of God that is outside of what the assemblies of God feel that the Bible teaches is then the wrong, the wrong God. So anyway, uh, so the scripture inspired, number one, number two, the the one true God. Number three, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus was God. That's what they teach in the evangelical church. Number four, the fall of man, and which the fall of man, uh, what does that really talk about? Um, the fall of man, I guess that goes back all the way to the, to the, the story of Adam and Eve. Um, Adam and Eve eating of that forbidden fruit and from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they weren't supposed to, God said you could eat of all these trees in the garden, but don't eat of that one. And when they ate of that one, I think that's considered the fall of man. So, so there's that. So in other words, I think what the, I don't think, I mean, I, I went to seminary and learned this. I mean, so basically what it is is that men or man, meaning men and women, humans, fell out of communion, their perfect union and communion with God in the Garden of Eden and for wherever cast out of the Garden of Eden into the world of, of sin and degradation. So anyway, that's the fall of man. Therefore, then that's why then Jesus came and died on a cross so that we could be reconciled back to God. But it's not how they how they teach it in the evangelical church and this is where I really differ now, but in the evangelical church, you know, we always, we would always say it's a free gift. It's a free gift. It's a free gift, but it really wasn't actually it. It was and wasn't. What I mean is then they say, it's nothing of you. It's none, it's none of you. It's what Jesus did it has nothing to do. It's a hundred percent Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. And you don't have to do anything. Well, well, actually you do have to receive it though. So, you know, they'd say it's not of works, but how I look at it is I always like, man, yeah, it's not of works, but man, we sure talk a lot about works. And we talk about earning extra crown, extra jewels in our crown. We talk about doing this so that we can be blessed and doing this so that our house won't burn down and doing this so that we, you know, can have the blessing of the Lord. And if we don't do this, then we're going to have the curse. And anyway, um, so... Uh, the fall of man is simply just when we fell out of fellowship with God, which is in the Garden of Eden. So here's the other part that, that well, what I was going to say, and I actually lost track, but I'll, let me go back to that. So m human beings fell out of the grace of God, according to evangelicals. We fell out of the grace of God when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. That's when we fell out of fellowship with God. And there's a scripture, actually, let me just, let me just, pull this up. Um, 
there's a scripture. Whoops. Uh, let me look this up because I think this will be important. Okay. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. This is an important part of my journey, so I might as well share it. Whereas, or wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So in, in the evangelical church, they teach that when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, that was death. Now, not physical death, though it was a spiritual separation. It was a separation from God. So it was a spiritual death. So when Adam and Eve ate of that forbidden fruit, that death then from that point on entered into all of humanity. And here's what I find strange about this because it, it, I don't feel that it, I don't feel like this is a proper interpretation of the scripture. So that, that verse I just read that by one man's sin, you know, now sin entered into the world. And so death has passed upon all men because of that one man's sin, Adam. So then you go on down and into verse, uh, let's see, verse, let's look down in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, and so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Back up to verse 17. This is what I want to read. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So I always found this fascinating, even early on in my Christian journey as a former evangelical, is that I did not need to receive or confess or even believe in the sin of Adam to be sinful. In other words, that that sinful act of, of Adam, whether I believe it or not, is on me, and I'm affected by it, according to the evangelical church. And here's where they lost me. Then Jesus comes, right, sent by God to die as a sacrifice for all people. And so he does that. But yet, it isn't just done. In other words, it's not that, like Adam's sin was just, Adam sinned, and then because of what Adam did, all are guilty. But Jesus comes, and what he does isn't automatic. You must confess, and you must believe, and you must do this, and you must do that in order to receive that. And that's where they lost me, where it really just doesn't resonate with me and makes sense because what you're saying is the sin of Adam is greater than the gift of grace through Jesus. That's what that says to me. That's that's what that says to me is that is that the the sin of Adam is greater than the gift of of God through Jesus. Because if I have to confess and believe in Jesus in order to receive that then I also look at that as works. In other words, I have to do something to earn the grace of Jesus. And what I have to do to earn it is receive it. But I but I didn't have to receive it or believe it 
to be given the sin of Adam, the separation from God because of Adam and Eve's sin. So yeah, I, I don't I don't agree with that and I don't I don't see how that makes sense to be honest. All right. So this 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 podcast might be a lot longer than I thought, but I think this will be a good one because this will kind of explain my my journey of where I'm at and uh, maybe give you some some insight. All right, uh, number five, the salvation of man, which uh, you know, as an evangelical Christian, men, women, whatever people can only be saved is what they teach through Jesus. That's it. And again, like I just said, it's not automatic. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. In other words, if you don't do that, that you're condemned to hell forever. So again, going back to what I've said in earlier episodes. So if you're an evangelical Christian, some don't that some don't like to admit this because it does seem pretty shitty. But if you're an evangelical Christian, what you believe is is that Jesus is salvation which then they also believe that if you're Hindu, Buddhist, or any other variation of anything other than a Christian, you're wrong and you're going to burn in hell forever. Now, the caveat and how they would try to skate out of that is that, well, I can't judge. I don't know, you know, but okay, be honest though. See, that's the thing I don't like about when I talk to evangelicals now, it's like, you know, un- Fortunately and unfortunately, because I know what they believe already, uh, I can really put them on the spot by saying, so if a Hindu never accepts Jesus, they're going to burn in hell forever when they die, correct? (laughs) And they just hate to say it because it sounds so shitty. (laughs) And that does sound totally crazy. Uh, But that is, in fact, what an evangelical believes. So the salvation of man, number six, the ordinance of the church. Uh, the ordinances of the church, which that just has to do with the the church and the role that the church plays in the world, and yada 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 yada. Not only that, but also the 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 sacraments of the church, you know, baptism and communion and first rites and this and that and the other and all that. All right, number seven, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. As an evangelical, uh, they believe in the baptism of the of the Holy Spirit, which is. Uh, it's different for the Pentecostals than it is for, um, you know, the Pentecostals see that a little bit different than say, uh, a Baptist, but for an evangelical Pentecostal person, uh, baptism in the Holy spirit is evidenced by and through, uh, the speaking in tongues. All right. Number eight the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So that's what I just said. That's the speaking in tongues part. So I guess the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, interesting that they separated those two, but they did. All right, number nine. This is the assembly, right off the Assemblies of God website. They believe in number nine is sanctification. Oh, how do I explain Sanctification. It's a progressive work of being, you know, holy and separated by God and sanctified. I mean, it's it's a it's a great thing to preach. I used to love preach preaching on sanctification. 
but it was all about it was all about again how I received it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not a scholar here or a theologian per se. I actually I guess I would be considered a little bit of a theologian. Not that I'm right in my theology, just I am a theologian though. Does that make sense? In other words, I think you can be a theologian and not have the same view as another theologian. Maybe the study because theolo- theology is what is the study of God, which I'm totally down on and down for. Anyway, I've never thought of myself as a theologian. I'm not sure I would like to consider myself a theologian, but I guess maybe I kind of am. Maybe I don't know. So sanctification, that's a progressive work of becoming sinless, I think, kind of. I should probably look that up. Let's look that up. Let's just do it right now. Let's just look up the word sanctification. Sanctification. Let's see what the old computer says here. Sanctification, to make holy, to set apart as sacred, to consecrate. To purify, oh, so I was right. Yeah, to free oneself from sin, sanctify your hearts, to impart religious sanction, to render legitimate. Okay, interesting. So that's what sanctification is. I know that that my particular church, we talked a little bit about sanctification. I mean, I I think that the the Nazarene portion of the evangelical church. So within the evangelical church, there's a lot of different denominations and they all kind of have a little thing that they're more into. And I think the Nazarenes are pretty, pretty big into the whole sanctification. Matter of fact, they believe you can reach a state of being sanctified while still being here in the present. All right. Um, number 10 is the church and its mission, you know, just the role of the church and its mission to preach the gospel to the world that Jesus is the savior of the world. Uh, number 11, the, the ministry, which is, that goes back to the fivefold ministry of pastors, teachers, evangelists, miracle workers, I think, and prophets, I think are apostles and prophets. Is that right? I think it's apostles, prophets, teachers, preachers, and evangelists. Man, my memory. I think that's right. Um, I'd have to look that up somewhere else, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I can look it up right here. It's right here. Uh, let's see what they say. Well, let's. Uh, it's too far down. I'd have to scroll too far down, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. It's the fivefold ministry gifts. Uh, number twelve, divine healing. That comes from Isaiah. Uh, I think where uh, it's said of Jesus that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And yes, that was from memory. Um, that was a big scripture. That's why I had it, have it memorized. It was a big scripture within, especially within the Pentecostal movement that I was a part of that. And, and, and I still believe in divine healing. I still believe um, I just don't necessarily believe believe it necessarily from the same standpoint, uh, but I I do believe in divine healing more so divine health, and I believe that we play a role in our divine health. Um, and by that I mean, you know, I eat right, I exercise, I think good thoughts, I you know, I try to keep my heart at all times full of love and peace, and therefore I live a divine, healthy life. Right. So far, so good. Knock on wood. I'm 51. 
All right. Number 13, the blessed hope. I believe the blessed hope is the return is the um the blessed hope of the return of Jesus. I believe that's what the blessed hope is. I'll actually look that up here in a second, but let me get through these. I got just a few more and then I'll I'll talk specifically about a couple of them. Uh, the, the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, that's about the thousand year reign. So basically how I remember understanding it is as an evangelical Christian, you were taught to believe that at some point Jesus was going to return and the rapture of the church was going to happen. If you say, Timmy, what in the world is that all about? If you haven't heard about that, watch some of Kirk Cameron, some of that silly guy's um, movies, the Left Behind series. There's a book series that was Left Behind. I read them all. I watched the movie Left Behind. You could probably YouTube Left Behind, and there's the old 70s film that I remember. It's creepy as hell. Uh, but anyway, so the millennial reign, you know, Jesus comes back, raptures out all those that believe in Jesus, everybody else that doesn't believe in Jesus, like Hindus, Buddhists, everybody, Jews, like everybody else. We're all left here on the earth through uh, a seven-year tribulation. And then at the end of the seven-year tribulation, Jesus and all those that went to heaven come back down floating on clouds, riding on the back of white stallions, and there's this battle between Lucifer and all the saints and Jesus, and Jesus wins or some, puts chains up, chains up Lucifer, throws him in a pit, and there's the millennial thousand-year reign of Christ, which is nirvana, I guess, thousand years of nirvana. And then... Satan is released. Lucifer's released at the end of the thousand years for a season to tempt everybody. Some will maybe fall for the temptation. Others do not. And then eternity in heaven and bliss. That's how I remember it. For those that are more knowledgeable about that, feel free to call in, leave a message on my thing here, however you do it. I know you can do it, but you can do it through Anchor. <laughs> I think through my podcast, you can leave me a message or email me. <laughs> All right. So number 15, the final judgment. This is where everybody is. We all stand before God. He's the final judge of the deeds we've done, the life we've lived and so forth. So, but here, just a little, little thought on that final judgment thing. Another reason why I'm just not an evangelical anymore. The thought, the the idea that you can be a shitty person and treat people shitty. I don't mean just like shitty, like you, you're an asshole, but I mean like shitty, like you can kill people, rape people, murder people. You could be a pedophile, but if you accept Jesus all your sins are washed away and you are forever in heaven my my friend but if you're if you're a wonderful person and you never rape anybody you never do in, inappropriate things with children and you never steal you never lie you never do all that stuff but god forbid you were born in india and you're a hindu because when you die your, your ass is going to hell. 
forever. Okay, I don't believe that, but that's what the evangelical church believes. And now you can probably understand why I'm not an evangelical anymore. Why I, I why I could just no longer subscribe to that way of thinking. Matter of fact, it seems archaic to me. It it, it seems honestly to me it it's it's like it's talking to a hardcore evangelical to me is literally like talking to someone who believes in flat earth. It it just seems archaic. It's again, it goes back to what I remember being raised under. And I'm not talking about my parents. I'm talking about just in the church that I was raised in. And when I first went off to seminary, I mean, like I told, like I mentioned in a previous episode, I remember a sermon where the pastor said that you should not interracial marriage. You should, there should be no interracial marriage. Everybody should stay with their own race. And this was preached at as a Bible theme, like it was something the Bible taught. And that's a, a clearly archaic, right? I mean, this the thought of that is archaic. Um, so when I think about the core beliefs of an evangelical, I find it just archaic. Um, you know, but like I always say, you know what? I, I don't know. That's the bottom line for me. I don't know. But it, the, the teachings within the evangelical uh, church are, are, uh, if minimum, they're disconcerting. All right. So the final judgment, uh, I mentioned that number 16 and final, the new heavens and the new earth. This is just that, that earth will be completely burned and to, to a crisp and, and redone and be perfect. That's basically what the new heavens and new earth is. It's convoluted. I, I don't, I don't. Yeah. All right, so let's let's go through. Let's just go through these one by one in in this particular uh, episode. Let's 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 kind of go into one one by one a little bit of these. Um, and but you know what? Before we do that, let's let's go let's go to a to a, let's go to a commercial. <laughs> let's go to a commercial, and we'll be right back with. We'll go right down the line, which with each of those beliefs and take a good hard look at them and uh, chit chat. Shall we? All right. We'll be right back. All right. We're back. Why I am no longer an evangelical Christian Christian. Yes. Evangelical. No religious. No spiritual. Yes. (laughs) All right. So let's, uh, Let's let's go kind of down the down this list of what what constitutes an evangelical Christian and a couple of what I would consider the core the the sixteen I would say are not the core. Uh, in fact, on the Josh McDowell website, which if you don't know who he is, he's just an evangelical um, evangelist or preacher, teacher or something. Uh, he says the four basics are the Bible is the highest authority for what we believe. It is very important for a Christian to personally encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then thirdly, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. And then lastly, only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Notice that only those who trust in Jesus 
alone. So that's it. Got to got to trust Jesus alone. But so I would say out of the 16 that we that I mentioned there's there's not all evangelicals have all 16. I would say there's a few just like the ones I just mentioned, but there's a few that I remember being pretty kind of a stickler. Like if you're considered a if you're considered an evangelical, there's like a few things that you can't have a variance from. And one of those is that the scriptures, the inspired word of God, both the Old Testament and the New Testament are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man. It's infallible and it's the authoritative rule of faith and conduct. Whew. Yeah, they, they believe in the, an evangelical typically believes in the inspired, infallible, incorruptible uh, ness of the Bible. Uh, yeah, I, 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 obviously I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't believe that anymore. Um, though I do hold the Bible in high regard and I do read it still and I do uh, enjoy it. I do, I do find comfort in it. I find direction from it. I find inspiration from it. Uh, I find value from it. I mean, on and on and on. I, mean, I could just continue to give words of what I've, how valuable it is to me. In fact, if I'm honest, again, this is just me. All I can tell you is my story. But for me, I actually find the scripture more valuable now with my particular view than, than ever before. So that for whatever that's worth, uh, the, the other big one for the evangelicals is this whole, the one true God and okay, real quick, go back to that inspired scripture thing. Um, actually I could do an entire podcast, a probably entire episode just on that one thing. Um, that's a stickler that, 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 that the scripture one's a big, a big one, obviously and clearly because all of their doctrine comes from the Bible. So you have to believe the Bible is, is, in order for the things that they believe to even stand up, it, it has to be verified and depended upon through Scripture, which, again, that gets into the whole circular reasoning. How do we know the Bible's true? Well, because the Bible says it's true. Well, <laughs> so and so, yeah, I mean, everything has to be based out of Scripture, and you can't allow there to be anything else. How okay? How could how could I how could I explain how I view that? Um. Okay. Back to my flat Earth example. It's like if flat Earth wrote a book, and basically in that book said that the Earth is flat, and then how do you know that it's flat? Because the book that the flat Earth people wrote said that it is. Boom. So th there, it's a closed loop, meaning if you believe that the scripture is infallible, it's the infallible word of God, then anybody that would show you a picture, anybody that would, sh anybody outside of the flat earthers that, you know, if you showed a flat earther a picture of the sphere that we do in fact live on, um, they would deny that picture that which is exactly what's happening right now with the the launch of um 
SpaceX and NASA and all that, uh, you know, the, the, I don't keep up with flat earthers, but I like to see what those weirdos are saying from time to time. And of course they're denying, they're saying it's all fake. It's all fake. <laughs> it's all fake. <laughs> it's all the millions and millions and billions of dollars that Elon Musk is investing and spending in SpaceX is it's, it's all fake. It's all smoking, smoking mirrors. <laughs> anyway, so it's not quite that foolish, it, you know, um, because I have a lot of good friends that that believe in the infallibility of Scripture, and we're still good friends, and I still respect them and 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 respect their beliefs. Because in the end, at the end, you know, maybe they're right, you know, right? Maybe I'm right. Maybe someone else is right. Maybe Gandhi was right. Maybe Buddha's right. I don't know. Um. I mean, I do, I do have faith in what I believe. In other words, I mean, I, I do, um, have certainty within my faith and my beliefs. Um, you know, I don't say that things are facts. You know, I say, I, I believe this is true, um, until something proves, proves that wrong. So oftentimes with the inspired scripture thing, it's like anything that is with anything that it is outside of the context of scripture that could tend to devalue or uh, undermine or discredit the scripture, what you would do as an evangelical is you would, you would just deny that. You would just say, well, that can't be true or that, or you'd chalk it up to, you know, God, you know, God knows. And that I guess it's something for me not to know, you know, that was just something that you would do. Like the, the idea of, humans living 50,000 years ago. For those Christians, typically evangelicals that believe that the earth is 6,000 years old, that just that like that you can't have a human living 20,000 years ago and be a 6,000 year evangelical type person. So what you say is carbon dating is just wrong. You know, they're just it's just wrong. They they're not they don't, you know. I mean they just it's it, it, I remember being in church. I know this sounds like when you hear this, even the evangelical Christians that are listening to this, possibly, they would think this is ridiculous because this is ridiculous. But I remember in my evangelical church as a kid, I remember uh, the pastor teaching about uh, dinosaurs that they never existed and that, that the bones of dinosaurs were, there were two things that he said. One is it was either the, the devil put the bones here to deceive us and then, or the scientists were creating these bones and they were burying them in the ground. <laughs> to, to, yeah, it's uh, be a difficult, that'd be a difficult thing. So that was where I started to, to have lots of questions too, and why I could no longer believe in, believe in the Bible in a, in the essence of that it was written by God, like that God hand wrote it, you know, like, uh, and, and Christians know that he didn't, it was written by man, but they said he was inspired by God, but they believe that he was, in, that the men that wrote the Bible, specifically men, like men, male men, uh, they were inspired by God and they were inspired perfectly. So imperfect people created a perfect work which I know there's a, that there's a debate and an argument there um, on both sides. So, you know, I find that challenging for any imperfect person to compile something as, 
elaborate and as vast as the scriptures and do it perfectly. And I know the argument is, you know, you could, uh, someone could shoot a hundred baskets perfectly and make a hundred baskets, but, um, you know, that's just one person doing one thing. When you're talking about 66 books, however many, 30, however many different authors and, and through all the different centuries and the years and the translations and the copies and the translations and the language changes. And the, 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 the <laughs> I think you're hard pressed. Um, not only that with the introduction of other gospels that were found at the dead sea scrolls deal and all that stuff that that's, this is, it's a lot to it. So anyway, that's my thought on that. Um, I'm checking my time here. All right. So the one true God, that, that one's a big one. I think with, I don't think, I know that's a big one with the evangelicals that there's, it's this monotheistic God. There's one God. And of course it's their version of God, right? The one, the one God is their, their version. It's the Bible God. That's the only, I remember teaching that there's only one God. It's the God that's the God of the Bible. I remember teaching those kind of sermons. Now I believe that. But but I also believe this. So I believe that the Bible is teaching you know, that men are recording their encounters and their view and their perspectives and and what they thought was happening and and what was happening and all of that, and 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 how they viewed God. But I believe that the Hindu writings and the Buddha writings and all the other writings are writing of the same God. I believe all all spiritual all. For the most part, now I got to be careful saying this because someone really could take me to task on this one. But for the most part, when people talk of of a good, peaceful, loving God, it's all the same God, right? It's it's all the same God to me. My particular view, you know, I, I believe that all religions are climbing a mountain, and when we get to the top, we're all going to be at the top, going, "Oh, sheesh! I didn't realize that you were. We were all on the same mountain. You were just on the back side of it. I was on the left side of it, and you were on the other side of it." But again, that's just my particular view. But within the evangelical church, they 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 do believe in one true God, which again, I have that's I don't have a problem with the, that idea. Um, but again, when you read into it, what they what they really mean is the one true God has revealed Himself uh, as self-existent in I am the Creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the Redeemer of mankind. He is the He's further re- revealed and in the person of uh, Jesus Christ, and they also believe in the Trinity, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So that's that's the the one true God who is distinct in three parts. So it's kind of the three in one. And I always, you know, when I used to teach that, I always taught it in, in the same sense that that humans seem to be in in three parts. You know, we are, you are a spirit, you have a soul and you live in a body is how we used to explain it. Um, I, that, that teaching still resonates with me pretty much. I mean, yeah, I still resonate with the idea of, you know, the, the physical, what you see when, you know, when people look at me and see me, that's, that's, uh, that's not the real me. That's just the house that I'm living in. You know, the real me is is of course within really the and I'm learning this from Eckhart Tolle's book the the new the new earth and he talks about you are the awareness right so the 
the person that's aware that I'm thinking or the person that's aware that I'm sad or the, the part of me that's aware of that, that's the me, that's the real me. I'm the awareness. And that that's, so that really, you know, that resonates with my, with my old evangelical teaching. And I, I still resonate with that. All right. Then there's the, uh, the teaching of, um, Ooh, where is that? Oh, the the other big, the big, 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 big one for the evangelical church is the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. That 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 Jesus was God. He he wasn't. You know, we say he's God's son, but and that's part of it. But that Jesus was God. He wasn't just the son of God. He he was God in flesh. There's even a verse in the scripture that says God was in Christ reconciling the world. And they've and so evangelicals don't just believe that God was in Jesus, but that God was in Jesus, Jesus was in God. They were the same. And that Jesus was just just a different expression of God. So, you know, that is what it is. But within the Lord, within the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, another big part of the evangelical church is believing in the virgin birth, you know, Jesus's sinful life or sinful, <laughs> sinless. <laughs> Our lives are sinful. His life was sinless, according to evangelicals. Uh, you know, the, the miracles, his his substitutionary work on the cross, um, you know, his resurrection, um, his exaltation. He's now seated at the right hand of God. I mean, all these teachings are are part and paramount to um the evangelical, uh, the fall of man. I think there's some variations on that. I do think that there are variations. I mean, in the evangelical church, I know there's some variations on, on some of that, but, but they do believe that sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve when they, you know, ate of the forbidden fruit. So, um, yeah, uh, the salvation of man. Okay. Now this is a big one. There's no way to heaven but through Jesus. That's it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through him. The Father, of course, representing God, and go the place that we're, quote-unquote, evangelicals get to go is heaven eternally, forever and ever, with Jesus. So, the salvation of man. I really, honestly, I, I'm still formulating. I, I don't believe in the class. I don't believe that. I don't believe that you can only be saved through Jesus and and I even that part is like I and I don't believe that because of, of some reasons that I'll share, but but I would be more apt to believe that if that's true, then it's done. Meaning that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and he paid the price for our sins. Boom. And that's it. It's done. So everybody has their sins, everybody's sins have been paid for. Now, an evangelical would say, yes, that's true. Everybody's sins have been paid for through Jesus, but you have to accept it. <laughs> you have to confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. And, and so there's something you have to do. It's it's this free gift you can't earn, but then yet again, you got to earn it because you got to believe it and say it and this and that. So anyway, it, 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 it gets, I don't, I just don't, I don't agree with that teaching that all Hindus and Buddhists, if they don't accept Jesus, they're going to hell based upon them believing how they believe spiritually 
is 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 wrong. I don't believe that. Like I can't I can't look at a Hindu and say, "Hey, you got to leave your Hindu faith and you got to join the Christian faith because your faith is wrong." And your your religion is wrong. Your religion, though you think it's about all this good stuff, all that good stuff for your in your religion is going to send according to my religion is going to send you straight to hell. <laughs> I just that just seems cuckoo to me. Like, I mean, it just seems absolutely cuckoo, uh, to, to me. Um, and in fact, if I, if I, I would think that if you were an evangelical Christian, that you would spend every waking moment, every waking second, literally going door to door, begging people to believe in Jesus. If that's true, like if that's what you truly believe, Man, you need to show more commitment to that, in my opinion. That if that's if that's true in your mind, I mean, you need to survive on two hours of sleep every night, and every other waking hour, you need to be about about getting people to believe in your religion. That's what you need to do. Because um, if that's true, man, and you got the ticket, you better start. You better start telling people. Um, and that was, that was a big turning point for me just spiritually. Um, that was a really, 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 really big point for me to that. It was a big hurdle. It was a big hurdle and I just never could get over it. I never could get over it that, that only my religion got it right and all other religions were wrong. Um, yeah, I just, that was such a big hurdle that I, I never could. I tried to scale that, but I couldn't. And eventually, I'm, of course, in where I'm at today. All right. Another thing about the evangelical uh, church, um, I think would be, uh, well, the church and the mission. I mean, when you're, when you're an evangelical Christian, I mean, you're, you're all about evangelism. You're all about, you know, um, I mean, I've done the door to door, you know, the door to door kind of like what Jehovah's witnesses do, but, but not as weird. Um, but just going door to door to share the love of Jesus with people, you know, that's really the, the call. It's the mission. Um, probably the, the last one that I think is probably a big, big one. And I'm going to, I'm going to end this particular episode, uh, is really the, the, the whole uh, end times thing, the whole, uh, the second coming of Jesus, the return of Christ, the rapture of the church, or uh, there's, those are all kind of different things, kind of the same, kind of different. I'm even, it's been a while since I've studied eschatology, um, in time, the study of end times. Um, I just haven't studied it in such a long time. Um, but that you know, basically, we the, basically the end of what I'm trying to talk about is just kind of the 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 whole heaven and hell. It's the afterlife, life eternal, life after this life. You know, life life after after death, and that's that's the one that's the one hope I think that evangelicals kind of really stand on. You know, even one of the one of my good friends often says, you know, at least if I'm wrong in what I believe. I lived a good life, meaning, you know, for someone to not believe and then find out that, oh shit, it was true. Um, 
is a bigger shocker than, you know, I'm going to live, I'm going to believe this, but if it ends up not being right, at least I lived a good life. You know, the, the, the thing that I would like, you know, that even that breaks down in my, in my mind, just when I think about the, the logic of that, you know, is it, is it really, I would argue that I know way too many evangelical Christians who have the shittiest lives full of fear and anxiety and addictions and guilt and shame and just shitty. They live with guilt and shame. It's just shitty that that, that, that would con- constitute a better life. Like at least I'm going to go to heaven. Well, she many Christmas, um, living your life with guilt and shame, which even an evangelical Christian that's emotionally mature would say, well, Timmy, well, that's, you're not, that's not, that's not part of our teaching. We don't believe in guilt and shame. Well, yeah, you can say that, but it, everything about everything about that about the evangelical teaching, it, it's impossible to not have guilt and shame. Um, and I know this firsthand experience, and I know this from my own counseling that I've received via a Christian counselor who has admitted to me that the most um, messed up people emotionally are evangelical Christians. (laughs) And again, you know, that doesn't mean that it, what that evangelical Christians, they're wrong. I'm just saying, I'm just stating a fact. I'm not stating whether that's true of all people everywhere. Just because one dentist is bad doesn't mean that all other dentists are bad. So, you know, granted, um, I'm not saying that by saying that all evangelicals, you know, lead people to, to a life of guilt and shame. Uh, clearly that's, that's not true. Not all evangelicals are full of guilt and shame. Um, but it is rampant within the church. It definitely causes issues and it definitely causes, um, unhealthy practices unless you somehow got lucky and had some other really great teaching that came to you most likely, well, maybe from within your church or from without your church that helped you balance out that teaching. Unfortunately, the the upbringing that I came from, the church that I came from, it it wasn't balanced. It was it was very imbalanced, and and therefore I'm a I'm I'm have have had to uh, unravel some of that stuff, and not just that it was taught. Not that it was taught wrong. I'm not saying the people that were teaching it were thinking it was wrong and they were trying to do things wrong. Of course not. I mean, it's it's like the it's like the the father that that doesn't coddle his children because he wasn't coddled it doesn't make him a bad person. It doesn't make him in any way bad. It just makes him who he is. So you know, I I would hope that that when I talk about my my upbringing, it's just my upbringing. It's it's all the people from my life and my past were just wonderful, great people, very sincere, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but I've listened to, matter of fact, I would encourage you to listen to, to, um, uh, Brene Brown, uh, did a recent, I say recent to me, it was recent, but a fairly recent podcast. And she, she talked about her own journey, uh, out, out of, uh, within like me without and within the, the, the Christian, um, belief system. And so, you know, that's why in the beginning of this episode, I said, I'm, I'm no longer an evangelical Christian Christian. Yes, but not evangelical. And I think because 
what necessitates an evangelical, you know, I clearly can't get behind. Um, but when I think about Christian, I think about a Christ follower. I think about someone that, uh, you know, loves Jesus or even loves the teachings of Jesus and, and all that. Well, then, yeah, clearly, if that, if that to me, to me, that's what a Christian is. And so I can totally, I'm, I'm down for, I'm down for that. Uh, I'm not down for the evangelical part. Um, but anyway, so uh, back to back to what I was saying. I think that um, uh, you know my story is is just my story. That's that's all that it is. And when I was able to unravel a lot of the shame and the guilt uh, from my life, um, it really just opened up my heart so much. I mean, um, one of the things I've always taught, even when I was a hardcore Bible thumping evangelical, I always taught seek truth and follow peace. And that is my journey. My journey is uh, one of diligently seeking the truth, asking questions, having conversations, um, never thinking that I have all the answers and that I can't be taught, um, but also being very curious. And, and, and not everything I read do I believe. Ooh, that's a quote. Not everything that I read, I believe. I mean, there are things that I've read. I'm like, nah, I, I can't. I don't. That doesn't resonate with me. Um, and and I'm also I was unable to unravel a lot of my previous religious, uh, evangelical religious thoughts because I asked that about even those questions, even some of the key core beliefs. Like, so if I don't accept Jesus, then I'm going to go to hell, even if I'm a wonderful. Buddhist or a wonderful Hindu? I, I asked myself that question and I and I I couldn't go with that. Like I couldn't. I, and I can't. I, I still, I mean, it's not, you know, I know some people think maybe I'm I'm uh, I had one person send me an, an email when his whole journey started of mine a, a bit back, and they were referring to me kind of as the prodigal son, which in the prodigal son, the, the story that Jesus tells. You know, the prodigal son returns to the father. <laughs> In other words, he recognizes the error of his ways and he returns. And I remember telling this person, I'm I'm not the prodigal. I'm not oh I'm not away lost and in a ditch somewhere smoking meth. Like I'm not coming back. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm moving forward, onward and upward. And, and so don't look for me to come crawling back and go, I was wrong. I believe, I mean, you know, that, that's just not part of my journey. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't feel lost. Well, do I feel lost? I think we all feel lost in, in reality. Uh, but do I feel lost? No, actually I feel more found than ever before. I feel more at peace than ever before. I feel like I'm on the right path. I feel good about what I believe. I feel a peace about what I believe. Henceforth, why I share. Uh, I've always been very vocal about my journey, very open about my beliefs. Uh, I, I'm not a. Cl I don't keep it in the closet. It's not closet beliefs that I'm scared to admit to. Um, you know, I, I've never, I've never thought that. I never liked the idea of when I would talk to my pastor friends that would say, well, yeah, I think the same thing you're thinking, Timmy, but I can't say that because if I say that, I'll get fired from my church. And man, I, you know, I, I couldn't live that way. I had to be honest and true to what I really believed. And that's what this journey is. Um, 
the journey that I'm on now, I'm very vocal about it. Obviously, I'm doing a podcast. I share what I believe. I, I, and I tell tell it like I see it at the at that point, and and it's fun journeying out loud. Um, and I don't mind the feedback or the criticism or the you know the pushback or whatever I might hear from people. I enjoy as long as people are loving. Man, I'm down. Just you know, don't be shaming me and guilting me. And trying to change me, you know. Let's talk about it. I'm talking. Let's talk about it. Let's grab a let's grab a cigar and, and a glass of whiskey and let's let's talk about it. And if we can do it in a loving way, dude, I'm down. All right, guys. Peace. God bless. Have a great day.